Stieber a 16-oson belül, lövés, gól! Hello and welcome to the second Hungarian International Hungarian Football Podcast. On the podcast today we have two match analysts from the Hungarian League. So we're going to talk about Hungarian football of course, but we're also going to talk about international football. We're going to look at tactical trends, who their favourite managers are in world football. And then in the middle we're going to have David Aspaf who's back again talking about one of Hungary's best World Cup sides. Maybe not the one that you immediately think of. I hope you enjoy the show and here we go. Okay, so on the show today we have uh, Istvan Beregi. Istvan's kind of Twitter famous. He's got over 10,000 followers on Twitter. He's big in the football tactics world on there. And he's the um, match analyst for NT Car Budapest in the Hungarian top division. Welcome to the show, Istvan. Hello. And uh, also on the show today we have uh, Abel Lorenz. He is the um, Honved match analyst. And uh, I think I'm right in saying that he worked for the SFA for a bit. I think that's where he got his coaching education. Is that right? Uh, I didn't work for them, but I got my coaching education there. Yeah, that's right. Hello, hello to everyone. Yeah, welcome to the show. Um, well, we'll start with that straight away, if that's all right. Um, how did that come about? How did that opportunity come about to um, work in Scotland or learn your education in Scotland? Uh, to be honest, I didn't have any kind of football background, so I didn't know if I would get accepted to the Hungarian coach education. I just didn't know anybody in the system. And I also wanted to see if I can do it in English and maybe that would lead to more opportunities in the future internationally. And I also, I watched some Hungarian football and I wanted to work in Hungary, so I thought maybe getting my education would be beneficial to see more types of football. And I just applied and got accepted. So did you actually live in Scotland then for a bit? Uh, just for a month and for the sea license also three times I travelled there, so just very briefly. Okay, cool. Um, and Istvan, um, obviously your account on Twitter is quite quite massive. How did that kind of come about? I know you do like these diagrams and the videos and stuff which are all awesome, but how did you kind of gain such a following? Yeah, um, if I remember well at the... About one year ago, I decided to be a little more active on social sites like Twitter because I I felt that uh, it would be really beneficial for me to to get some followers to 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 get in contact with the tactics guys, not only worldwide or at the social media, but in Hungary as well. And uh, well, you know, I started to analyze games and put up some pictures and videos and it got I got very famous with this because I got a lot of retweets sometimes I I I shared stuff in order to 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 get a lot of retweets not for just the analytical stuff because I wanted to 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 grow my account and then uh, at summer I got uh, the opportunity in Hungary to to write analyses about the European Championship and then I I felt that it's going to be a great reference for me to to apply for an actual professional football team and that's how I got into MTK Budapest because I I wrote an email for the club's director and then the other day I got in, invited to them for a personal meeting and then 
the rest is history. That's pretty cool, isn't yes. it? So, um, have you always like looked at football in like an, with an analytical mind, or is, did that kind of develop like in the last year or so? Well, uh, I tried to apply uh, for coach education three times, uh, but I I got rejected uh, all. Uh, so so then I decided to to develop myself on my own, you know, because uh, I felt that that my development depends on myself, not not the coach education. And then I started to analyze games on my own, to in an autodidactic way, because that's I, I, I didn't I didn't have any other opportunities. So that's how I developed my analytical thinking, and that's how I, I realized that uh, if I I don't have the the papers and the knowledge uh, to to get into coaching. I still have the opportunity to get into analysis. So that's how the opportunity or the analytical uh, mind came into into the picture. Uh, you both touched on it already. We'll go to you first for this one, about Um why do you think it is so difficult for young people and young coaches to sort of be accepted by the Hungarian FA for these coaching, for this coaching education? Uh, to be honest, it's a complicated question and it has many layers. Uh, maybe one of the reasons is that the coach education is very integrated with the university. Uh, the coaching university and many people who go there kind of get accepted and I don't think that there are enough courses starting to get all the young people involved in coaching which would be very beneficial because there are many changes in youth development and the number and the level of the coaches just it just has to go go up that's quite interesting um, okay we'll, we'll move on to your, your clubs that you, you're at at the moment um, how well what do you kind of do at Honve do you do you sort of sit with them after every game and what what do you kind of analyse and what do you talk to them about I'm involved with the academy mainly so that's from under 15 to under 19 and for each team my involvement differs because we have a player development pathway and in each age group they have to learn different things about football and I always look at the games and I look at the individual players, the team units and the whole team and I look at okay what was our plan and what are the individual players working on during the week, what are their performance pathways and I try to analyze the positives and negatives from that and then give feedback to the coaches and also talk to the players about their performances. Okay, cool. What about you, Esteban? Uh, well, my, my main job is uh, to analyze our next opponent. So, this week I'm always uh, analyzing our next next uh, opponent. Like, right now it's Vosh FC, because I'm already done with Vosh. Uh, and uh, this is what is it about mainly for me, uh, because I have to make reports for the head coach, uh, 
and also I, I obviously analyze around games and then after the after the game I I sit down with the coaching staff and share my my recommendations my ideas uh, the, the stuff I see about the games and so that's that's how it works mainly obviously I I record training game uh, the trainings if it's needed and then we analyze them as well if we are trying uh, to to create a new uh, playing model or we are trying a new formation if it's going to be great or something like that so that's how it looks for me uh, this is a question from Twitter uh, from Bakos Levente who, who said uh, how do the MT car players treat you and probably how do the coaches treat you as well and how are they open-minded about your work well, they they are very open-minded as far as I see. Mm, it was it was a little weird for me at the beginning, you know, to to talk with professional players uh, or, or with the coaching staff. But the staff made me very made my job very easy because they were so kind and open-minded for for me, and uh, so I have the opportunity. To talk about my my recommendations, my ideas, so that's very good stuff. And also, I have the same opportunity with the players. I sometimes go to them and uh, ask them if if how if uh, to to check how how do they feel, for example, about the corner defending system we we implemented, for example, and. And you know, I think it's really important to share to share uh, these stuffs because uh, these these tactical things are always always different from the inside and from the other side. And I like to know the players' feelings about that. So, all in one, I think that uh, they are very open-minded. Sometimes they they go. To me after the game and and ask some questions if if they do did the right thing or not so so it's a it's a very good community and they are very good persons as well so it's very good is that is that kind of new to them like to the whole club in general is is your kind of approach quite different from what they were doing before yes it's it's very different because uh, you know, not just to brag, but uh, I go into the details much more than what they are used to see from other coaches. Because uh, at least that's that's how I see it. Uh, but but it's 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 okay for them. But uh, I see that uh, it was very new to them and also to the coaching stuff. I don't. I'm not going to say that we agree on all stuff because I I I sometimes tend tend to to feel or to see any problems with an analytical mind and sometimes they they see things with a coaching mind and it's very different and also players see these things with a player mind so it's kind of hard to get it together but uh, it's definitely a great experience for me and for them as well 
so it's a bit different, but I think they are getting used to it. Yeah, for sure. And I can imagine because these coaches that have, are kind of coming through the system, as it were, they probably there's probably not that much room for creativity like what you've brought because if you're always going down this one route being sort of told this is the way there's no like kind of room for creativity with different approaches but so that's why I find kind of what you were saying at the start was kind of a bit like perplexing to me um about do the the players are receptive at at your level at at Hanvade as well Oh yes, absolutely. And I found at the beginning that they were a bit shy about it, to be honest, because at the beginning there was a bit of a culture of, okay, just don't make mistakes and always talk about what went wrong. And I really focused on getting this out of the system and rather looking at, okay, what we did well and reinforcing those positives and also getting to an analytical culture where we can openly share what each person thinks and it might not be the direction we go into in the end but if we ask more questions and we talk about them openly then more ideas come up and the quicker and better we can innovate it, like youth level is is Honve kind of above or ahead of the rest of the the league in this kind of respect are other clubs like French Varos or Vosch or these sort of clubs are they are they doing the same sort of thing as Honve are I think in terms of, um, if you look at the table, Homewood sort of finishes up there in the first three in every year, almost every age group, but it happens that Vosos or MTK, Ferencvaros, these teams, they also have very good youth systems and they can definitely have squads in some age groups where they are just dominating the league. Um, okay, so we'll move on to sort of like worldwide football now. Um, obviously both of you watch uh, football all over the world um, at, the t- at the moment we'll go for you Istvan first um, what clubs do you enjoy watching the most and what kind of clubs fascinate you most at the moment uh, I, I have to admit that uh, I don't have too much time to watch international football unfortunately but I always try to, to catch up on it well um, for example I prefer uh, teams who use Huego de Posicion, obviously, because I'm a big fan of possession football, so um, mainly I watch Borussia Dortmund or Bayern Munich or Barcelona and Manchester City. But for example, what I saw that uh, Tottenham is getting really great this year, uh, and I, I also I also like to see Red Bull Leipzig, for example. It's a bit different approach because uh, they don't uh, put so much emphasis on clean position of play or clean possession, but they, they are very good and I think uh, fascinating to watch. Yeah, cool. What about you, Abba? For me, Spurs and Dortmund are the two best teams. I I love to watch them. I watch them every week. And they don't play such clean possession football, but I just love how they mix it with counter-pressing and just enough aggressivity to really appeal to my heart. But I also love watching Sevilla, Milan and Napoli from Italy. And in terms of defending, I think Southampton are just, just phenomenal. 
Okay, yes, yeah, uh, I love what's in Sevilla at the moment. And we'll quickly move on to Sam, uh, Sam Paoli, who's kind of being linked to the Barcelona job at the moment. Um, what do you like about him? I like, um, to be honest, how much he changes from game to game and how he incorporates all these wonderful players into one fluid system of possession football and I just find so many rich details in how Enzonzi or Langlet, the new central defender or Nasri plays, it's fascinating. Yeah, Istvan, do you think you'd do well at Barcelona? I think uh, definitely he's going to be, he would be a great option because they, they need new, new impulses. Mm, but to be honest, I didn't watch enough Sevilla games, so I wouldn't comment about their playing system or their playing style too much. But as as a coach and as far as I know him, uh, he would be definitely a great option to Barcelona. Yeah, I think from what I see on their Twitter as well, Barcelona fans are, are desperate for the sort of an innovative mind to take over from Luis Enrique I don't think they're too happy with him at the moment anyway uh, well obviously he's leaving at the end of the season anyway now um, who are your favourite coaches I know Esteban you obviously love Pep yes yes uh, because I'm a big fan of possession football he's going to be the number one for me but uh, I, I try to be more open minded uh, for, for other coaches uh, so obviously I like San Pauli or Klopp, uh, but my my second favorite right now is Thomas Tuchel because I I really wa- like what he what he does at Borussia Dortmund. Abel, as you you said about Sevilla that they, they are flexibly changing systems or changing approaches. I think uh, we, we could say the same about Dortmund because sometimes you can see them. Uh, Having having the ball in a one four five system, then they are going to change into a four one four one. So it's it's pretty pretty good to see the flexibility in their system. Unfortunately, uh, sometimes their possession game is not not so clean like uh, you see at Pep's teams, and I also. And I also feel that their defensive system is not the best. But uh, if you want to see great possession game, you should definitely check them because because they are fascinating to watch. Uh, do you think that Tuchel will stick around to to the next season or or beyond? Because <clears throat> obviously in the league they're not doing that great. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Obviously, I could imagine him being at Barcelona because of of the way he sees the game. Um, but yeah, sometimes I feel that uh, their their performance is a bit disappointing, especially in the league, because I I th- I think that it's because of their defensive issues. Sometimes they are not well with the ball, uh, of course, but uh, I think that their main issue is, is, is defending. So if he would be able to, to change that or to be 
to, to stabilize it more, then I'm sure that uh, Dortmund will be a better team. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a very 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 tough question. I think uh, that he should stay if, uh, for example, the Barcelona uh, job is not going to be available for him because he started he started this whole Hugo de Position stuff and uh, it's it's not not like not like it's going to work from one moment to the other because it's uh, it's a long process so I don't think that he should abandon this process if he is not going to have the opportunity to coach the the very best teams. Yeah and I think also in fairness to Twitcho, he lost three of his best players in the in the past, and the summer just gone. So, kind of broke up his process, as it were. It kind of set him back a bit. Um, Abel, who are your favourite um, coaches around at the moment? I think my favourite coach is Pochettino at the moment. Just, it's very rare to see somebody working for three years at one club and starting a project like Tuchel is in the middle of and bringing through youth players and forming the team from one year to the other more and more into his own style and own ideas about how football should be played and I like him a lot. A guy that we've not touched on at all um, but he's got like a, a completely different approach to what you've spoke about you liked. Um, Mourinho, do you think do you like anything about Mourinho and do you think he's like coming to the end of his like Right um, status at the top, or do you think he, there's still a lot more left in him? It's, uh, I'm I'm sure that there's a lot more left in him. So <laughs> I think his career speaks for it for itself. Stylistically, I don't really agree with him, but to be honest, it can be seen in his Manchester United team how much the team progressed and how he how the lineup looked more and more like a Mourinho team and how he is now coming uh, to a winning combination and also if we look at the underlying number, expected goals and so on, maybe the team should be better positioned in the table and then this whole conversation wouldn't be so much in the media. Yeah, yeah, and and people have kind of said, Istvan, um, that Mourinho's kind of like his tactics and his his kind of approach is kind of outdated. Do you think that's true or? Yeah, yes, in in yes, in a way, because um, the the way I see it, football has changed since uh, 2010 after after Guardiola's Barca the the analytics the analytics approach got uh, much more emphasis the way the way you attack got much more detailed because you you just because defending defending is much more schematic because if the opponents do this then you have to do that but if when you have the ball, it's it's much more difficult, and I don't think that uh, that Mourinho has this in him. Not because of uh, his knowledge, but because of the way he approaches the game, because he is much more defensive-minded. 
and it doesn't put so much emphasis on having ball possession for for games. But I, I think that in a way he's a bit outdated from a tactical point of view, but uh, from a mental point of view, which is also very, very important, I still think that he's not maybe the number one, but he's at the top. Well, Abel, we'll go for you first. Uh, what players do you enjoy watching? What type of player do you, what, do you enjoy watching? Uh, to be honest, it's strange, but as I was thinking about this question, I just don't think about number sevens, nines, not even number tens. I like the players most who can dictate the tempo of the game or defenders who can really pass through the lines and just give that killer pass to somebody between the lines, which really crowds open an opponent team. So, for example, Bartha from Dorn. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> the good Hungarian example, yeah, I should have started with him. But Barca from Dortmund also, or Musa Dembele, or Guerreiro, who are both ball carriers, if they play in the middle, I like these types of players. Yeah, cool. I can imagine, Istvan, is that the same for you as well? Yeah, so, obviously, I, I have a bit more uh, emphasis on number six, on the number six position, because you may know from my Twitter account that my favorite player is Tony Kroos. So, <laughs> yeah. so he's the kind of player I, I like. I like to see. And just to say another name, my 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 big favorite is also Julian Weigel because I just love the way uh, he, he sees the game, where he positions himself, the the way he receives the ball and turns. So yeah. He, he would be the second one. Yeah, he's been in amazing form this season. Yeah. He, he kind of... He's probably, like, perfect for Barcelona, but I don't think they've even been rumoured to, to get in him, I think. Uh, yes, I would agree, because um, he plays at, at Busquets' position, and I don't think that uh, Barcelona is ready to change uh, their... The preferred formation, the 4-3-3, using two double, two double, two pivots, or 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 for example, using a, a three defender system, which they have uh, started to use in the last two games. But uh, yeah, maybe maybe they could work work together definitely. But uh, I don't think that Barcelona is going to make this I, I, I would much rather uh, I could much rather imagine for example Ferrati at Barcelona yeah, because, Ferrati, because yeah, he's yeah. playing in a in a higher position so they could uh, someone who can show all a bit yes 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 he, he would be a better addition for the team I think than than Weigl not because of the of the playing knowledge or the playing quality but because of the the positions they play at, they are playing at. Yeah, cool. Um, this is probably quite a tough one, to be fair. <laughs> what do you see? How do you see football going in the future? Do you think it will still go with this kind of possession-based play? It's impossible to project these things, but to be honest, 
I think the majority of football coaches will always start their game model with position football or how the team is set up in attack because that also determines how you can transition into defense and your defensive shape but it's very hard to say because also football is cyclical so coming back to the Mourinho question maybe his defensive system is a bit more a bit too man oriented for my liking or just looking at some trends going on in football at the moment but at the same time you never know that maybe that way of looking at defending will really serve well with a certain type of or certain group of players against a certain other team so it's very hard to say there will come some very dominant team again and the next team who wants to be the first in world football, his task will be to beat that system and that type of, that way of play. So it's all cyclical, it's all going around. Cool. Is that something you agree with as well? Yes, I, I couldn't agree more. Abe, Abe just said it perfectly. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay, uh, we'll be back talking about Hungarian football after this. Hello, Magyar football fans. David Asboth here with another journey into Hungarian football's past. Last time, I introduced you to the last great Hungarian team of the 70s and 80s. Today, I'm going all the way back to the 1930s to tell you about the first one. Specifically, I want to focus on the 1938 World Cup final played between Hungary and Italy. The 1938 World Cup was held in France, 
played between 16 teams and featured no groups, only a knockout stage. En route to the final, Hungary beat the Dutch East Indies, Switzerland and Sweden, conceding just one goal in the process. The final has the dubious record of having the lowest attendance of all World Cup finals, with around 45,000 fans present on the day. Italy ended up winning the game, four goals to two, and were the first team to defend their title, having also won in 34. Brazil did the same in 58 and 62, but the Italian team did so with the same coach. The winning Italian team boasted names such as Silvio Piola, the highest all-time goalscorer in Serie A, and Giuseppe Meazza, whose name is to this day immortalized in Inter Stadium. There was a rumor that Mussolini sent a telegram to the Italian team before the final that said win or die. The Italian players have since confirmed this to be false, but in reference to the rumor, the Hungarian keeper Antal Sobo said after the game, I may have let in four goals, but at least I saved the lives of 11 men. The top scorer in the 38 World Cup was Brazil's Leonidas with seven goals, but Hungary had two players on five goals, Sharoshi and Zsengelir. Sharoshi, scorer of Hungarian's second goal in the final, is probably the most famous player from that team. Born in 1912, George Sharoshi captained the side in the 38 final. His favorite position was as a second striker, though he was famous for his versatility and is incidentally Hungary's fifth all-time top scorer with 42 goals in 62 games for the national team. He only ever played for one club, Ferenc Varos, where he scored a whopping 351 goals in just 383 appearances. There were several players called Sharoshi around at the time, including Djuric's brother Bela, so he was also referred to as Sharoshi Doktor, due to his doctorate in law. He won five Hungarian titles and five Hungarian cups while playing for Ferenc Varos. After retiring as a player, Sharoshi moved to Italy and pursued a successful coaching career. He won the Italian League in 1952 with Juventus and lived in Italy until his death in 1993, aged 80. He is remembered as one of the finest players of the pre-Second World War era. Hungary's other excellent striker at the time spent most of his playing career at Sharoshi's rival club, Uipest. Jula Zsengelir was a forward who scored 32 goals in 39 games for Hungary, which makes him eighth in the overall rankings, and an astonishing 368 goals in only 303 appearances for Uipest. He won four Hungarian titles with the club, as well as being Europe's top scorer twice, either side of the Second World War. The Golden Boot Award did not exist yet, so he got no award for those achievements, despite scoring 56 goals in the 39 season. Unlike Sharoshi, he also pursued a playing career abroad, in Italy with AS Roma and AC Ancona, and finished with a two-year stint at Deportivo Samarios of Colombia. As a coach, Zsengelir had a nearly 30-year career, which included winning the Cypriot League with Pesoporikos Larnaca and a Cypriot Cup with Apoel, as well as managing the Cyprus national team for two years. To illustrate his greatness, a Turkish newspaper apparently once ran the headline, Zsengelir is the Paganini of football. Another player who played an important role in the World Cup but did not feature in the final was the Ferencvaros great Geza Toldi. He won four Hungarian titles with the club and racked up 46 caps for Hungary. For over 20 years, a Player of the Year award was named after him at Ferencvaros, the same award I mentioned in the last podcast that was won by Nilashi three times. 
His career saw him score 271 goals in 324 appearances for four different clubs. In a Mitropa Cup semi-final, which was one of the first ever European tournaments for club teams, in 1939, Ferencvaros were trailing 3-1 against Bologna after the first leg. Toldi wasn't picked in that game as he was deemed too old, but an injury to a teammate meant he played the second leg. He scored four goals and Fradi progressed to the final, which they ultimately lost to Hungarian rivals Wipest. He died in 1985, and an apt football and goal net structure adorns his grave. Hungarians are rightly proud of our greatest ever team from the 1950s, but the team that reached the 38 World Cup final was by all accounts equally formidable. Unlike the other World Cup final that Hungary lost, the so-called miracle of Bern in 54, the 38 final was not surrounded by controversy. Hungary simply lost to a better team. However, the team did well to even get that far, scoring 15 goals in four games and contained some of our best ever players. Their success was cut short by the Second World War, so they were perhaps never allowed to reach their full potential. Either way, their story is a reminder that Hungary's prominence on the world stage of football started as early as the 1930s and continued for most of the 20th century. Next time, we'll look at some of the club-level successes Hungary has had over the years, but for now, Thanks for listening. Right, welcome back to the second half. We're going to talk about Hungarian football now. Um, obviously, these two guys work in it, so let's go. The first question, we're going to go off a question off Twitter. This is from Luca Hodges Ramon. Um, he says, has Hungarian football capitalised and kicked on from the momentum of Euro 2016? And do you think Hungarian football in general is heading in the right direction? We'll go to you, Istvan, first. Well, it's a, it's a it's a tough question. I think that uh, the the European Championship was much more beneficial for for the fans than for the football itself. Because the way the way I see it, I tend to be I know that I tend to be uh, too critical. But I think that we didn't play a really good football. We got lucky, for example, against uh, Austria. Just to say one example. Obviously, our football got much better uh, on a national level. Uh, I think it's it, uh, it's because of of Padarda mainly because he stabilized our, our defensive system uh, in a very good way. But uh, yeah, I think that it was beneficial for the fans, for the people who who got their belief back uh, in Hungarian football. Obviously, uh, our, our football is getting better because I see the trends going on. We try to have ball possessions, but it's not like what you can see at the national level because I think that the coaches are still, are still skeptical of this stuff, but uh, we, are still, we are still behind like years behind uh, in, in football terms, but it's getting better. Yes, I agree with Istvan that it's getting better and the success of the national team and participating in the Euros, maybe we didn't play the best way and we got a bit lucky, I agree, like if Alaba's uh, post uh, he goes in in the second minute against Austria, then maybe it's a completely different tournament. But
but at the same time if we didn't do this well in the Euros, then some programs that the National Federation implemented, even in the youth system of Hungary, wouldn't be possible because there just wouldn't be enough support from the football community behind it. And there wouldn't be that continuity from the summer and onwards. But at the same time, we are very are a few years lacking compared to international uh, level and the big championships but I went to the MTK Homebit game a few weeks ago and Ishram was working on the game obviously as the analyst of MTK and I was just watching as a fan but as I compare it to some games I watched two or three years ago in the first league there's a big difference in level and the difference is, is up so do you do you can you see like a, a clear tactical difference to like a few years ago in the, in uh, the league me? itself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can see some some changes traditionally, or as far as I can remember, since I've been watching Hungarian football, most of the teams were very defensive minded. But now you can see more and more teams trying to hold the ball and have some ball possession instead of just sitting back in their own third. And also there are still many teams who defend by extreme, extreme man marking, but some teams made some experiments and tried out with a more zonal approach or even putting pressure high up in the opponent's um, own third. And that's something I didn't see three years ago for example do you feel like this is for you Istvan that, that teams work on um, like attacking styles or do you think that they're just kind of thrown out there and you kind of make it up as you go along as it were they definitely do but uh, we still don't know how to how to have or how to play possession football in in the in the proper way because we we just use the ball in order to pass 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 not in order to move the opponent for example because that's a, a key point in positional play but we we don't we don't see it this way so what we should improve or uh, in, so, so, so I think that we should improve our our uh, approach. We see possession game because the way we defend, for example, like Washash or Humbeit, uh, they they defend very well in in a five defender system. So, what was a big tactical trend like half a year ago, and it came uh, into Hungary and. As you can see, Hongrid and Vosos are very successful using these tactics to to neutralize the opponent in every aspect possible. But uh, the way we we see attacking football and possession football is is a bit outdated, I think. Even if it, maybe not outdated is the best word, it's it's uh, mis misunderstood. That's that would be the best word, yes. Yeah, and I think probably French for are one of the, the main corporates of this. Like they've got such a some great attacking players, but when you see them 
but in the in the games that they've played so far in this in this summer season, you, you sort of he kind of looks like I just said a minute ago, like they've just been thrown onto the pitch and just. I guess they're new players, so they don't like know each other that well. But they kind of just look like they're just thrown on there and just told to do whatever they want. And there's kind of no style to their attacking play. Um, we mentioned, uh, I think it was just the one you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago about Dardai. Um, what? We'll go for you, Istvan, as well. Um, what's your opinion on him and how far do you think he can go? Obviously, he's probably not like, your type of manager because he's he's more defensive-minded, but how far do you think he can go? Uh, yes, you said it perfectly. But in a tactical way, I think that um, he, 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 he has the, the option to get into the very top. He has the opportunity to get into the very top because uh, I think that uh, the way the way he organizes defense is very good. We we could see this at, at Hungary at, in his preferred formation 4-4-2, which is which was very stable. Um, obviously, I don't like this, but you don't always have the opportunity to to play possession football like at the national team you don't have enough time to work on that to work on position play to to know to to practice where every player should be positioned how they should use their uh, body in between the lines how to receive the ball how to pass the ball etc but uh, i think that he he sees football in a very realistic way and i say it in a in a good because uh, what he did, what he did at, at Hertha is very astonishing for me because he stabilized the team and uh, he's able to compete with the very best I can say because Bayern and Dortmund uh, always have a very hard task to to break through that that uh, defensive chain so sometimes I don't like the way he speaks of football as a person. Oh, really? Yes, because uh, I don't know. He is just not uh, the most sympathetic guy for me. I, I just don't like the way he speaks about the games at interviews or, or press conferences, because sometimes for me he looks like a bit arrogant. Some Maybe I. I just misunderstood him, but uh, if we see it in a tactical way, I think that he's a very good manager, obviously the best in Hungary, no one can compete with him, and I think that he has the opportunity to get into the top if he can continue this really good work, yes. For me, his strategic mind is, is something that no other Hungarian coach can meet. And what I think about is he really approaches games by looking at what the team can get from that game and not even trying to win the games always, but looking at the bigger picture. Like, for example, if we just don't lose this game, then one of our rivals is going to be out of the question, or then maybe this other team gets that result in another game, and that means this and this for us. And what I mean by that, for example, when the national team played against Greece at home in the Euro qualifiers, 
Greece was in dire straits and many people said we need to win this game but he said no no we are not going to go and try to win it by all means but rather just try to not lose because that means that if Greece only gets one point out of this they are out of the competition and this is what I mean that this kind of thinking was it's, it's still not prevalent and widespread in Hungary but I think for a football manager to have it is it's just key. Yeah, he's kind of got that. <clears throat> his mind and his tactical mind is kind of this new breed of German manager almost. And obviously, he's been in Germany since '97 uh, or something like that. Um, and he's kind of gone with the new the the German in, uh, when Germans sort of overhauled their academies and stuff and and overhauled their coaching structure. He's kind of moved with that and I think that's why obviously in a Hungarian sense he's miles ahead of everything but also in a German sense as well he's kind of near the top uh, especially in that league and like you say the last two times that they played against Bayern and Herford and, and Dortmund against Dortmund in the cup they went out on penalties and put up a really good show and against Bayern they were desperately unlucky to concede that late equaliser um, for me like it's a blessing and what about what about Stork Bernd Stork what do you what do you think on him about he's not only the national team coach and obviously his results are going to the Euros and playing in a positive way most of the time it speaks for itself but he's also very involved in the youth setup of Hungarian football which I'm more involved with in the day-to-day -day basis and I think he does a lot of good for talent development he tries to implement a new system where more people, more small children would be involved in uh, playing football and they would be involved with better coaching and in the long term, this is very similar to what the Germans did with the reboot. And in the long term, it should lead to better and more players. And I'm really looking forward to seeing where this can lead in 10 years. Well, in overall, I, I do really like the German impact or the German effect uh, we have right now in Hungary. Because the way they see football, the way they talk about football is very beneficial for us, I think, because they are much more uh, not not like analytical-minded, because they go much more into the details, and uh, I think that uh, this way of thinking about the game is very good for our football nation in overall. I, 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 I can't rate his work exactly, um, because uh, I don't know what he does on a regular basis at the youth system, for example, but uh, at the national level, I think that uh, he used he used Dada's tactical work well, and uh, he is a bit bit more uh, offensive than Dada, but uh, I think that uh, the way they the way they develop the national team. Is, is very good for Hungarian football. Um, do you think that Hungary will qualify for the uh, the World Cup, or would you, where do you think they'll finish in the uh, in the group this time? I think that uh, we definitely have the chance because 
our football got much better and uh, and we we got our belief back not like the nation but the the, the players who play at at the team because they right now i feel that they much more believe in themselves than they did like two or three years ago so i think that we should qualify and uh, we are going to qualify and that's that's definitely going to be great for us i don't really remember well the groups so uh, if we are if we have a uh, heavy group then just correct me if i'm wrong but uh, i think that we have the chance yes yeah i think the uh, the big one is at the end of the month we've got portugal away which will be tough um um about what about you and and obviously because you kind of like look at youth football you're quite excited what's coming through as well at the national team level yes i'm excited and maybe qualifying for the world cup as you and Ishtvan mentioned because of the game against portugal and we didn't start with the best results this qualifying round maybe this time is not possible but for the next euros it definitely is and I also like the German influence and the more detailed look at football and the more systematic building up of talent and the new coaching knowledge coming to the country and because of that I think the future is possible and also I would like to mention Sean Sabolch who is an under 17 player who went to Ajax from the Homemade Academy and also Christopher Sarate, who's at Stoke City and he played in the under-19 team also recently of Stoke City. He's an under-17 player otherwise. And Horvath Chanet, who's at Gimares and also went from the Homebuild Academy. So we have talent who are good enough to make it on the international stage or go to bigger clubs around Europe. And that's something very, very new. Yeah, and Giretto with uh, with Jack uh, Detsky the other day, they qualified for the semi-final of the FA Youth Cup in England for Stoke, and it's the first time I think since 1984. Really? Wow. I think since yeah, 1984, 1986 or something wow. like that, nice. they've ever got to the semi-final. And them two were pretty pre- well, from what I've heard, they're pretty prevalent in the uh, in the success of that team as well. Um, this is a question from David Asboff on Twitter. He says, um, "How far will Adam Nudge?" go on the world stage this is for you Abel we'll go for you first everybody is wondering this both in Hungary and everybody who's watching Hungarian football is obviously the big talent and the big promise of Hungary I think there is a lot of potential in him also because of his personality he wasn't this player who got there by talent he had to change a lot in his game and he had to practice a lot and I know that he has a very humble personality and listens to his coaches and tries to change from game to game and just look at where he was when he played at Ferenc Varos under 21 team and then the adult team national team and now at Bologna I think he made the right choice in the summer by going there, not going to Leicester or Chelsea or one of these bigger teams, but making a smaller step first. So I think, I think there's a big future ahead of him. Is it one? Uh, I really like, I really like the way uh, he defends because he is a very intelligent guy, 
and uh, he always know knows where to to be defensively. So I think that's very very uh, important in the position he plays at, and uh, he is good in possession uh, as well. But uh, his passing much much uh, get uh, cleaner, I think, in the future. Uh, because sometimes he has orientation issues or like positioning issues, but uh, he's a very good talent, and the the talent he has defensively is very very important for bigger clubs. If he can develop the way way he approaches the passing game or the way he positions or orients himself, uh, if if that's going to develop, then I think that he can become a really quality player. Oh, good stuff. Um, we'll go back onto the Hungarian league. We'll actually go to your two clubs. Um, this one, how do you see MT Car doing this season and then in the future too? Do you think this, the future is quite bright for MT Car? Well, um, I think we are not in the position we we expected to be at at this part of the season, but uh, we we are. Developing as a team, I think, since since January, and uh, I'm I'm really positive about the future. I think that uh, in this season, the main main thing for us is is to stabilize ourselves at, for example, the eighth position, just to say something. Mm, but uh, I, I'm very positive about the future because we have a lot of talents always from the academy because uh, our academy still produces really quality players and uh, we have a lot of talents uh, at there and uh, I, I really like the way we, the, the way we use the, the younger players because we try to build on them for example to say some players uh, Balint Vodicka or, or uh, Matej Katonal or, or Kevin Korosman, they are very talented guys, and uh, I really like this this approach of the game. I think that uh, we we should improve uh, in our in our passing, like every team in Hungary should. But I'm I'm really I'm really positive about it to to get the MTK style back in a modern sense. Yeah, cool. Um, what about you, Havel and Honved? We are also not in that position we <laughs> expected us to be at this point of the season, but <laughs> that's quite positive to be honest, so I don't want that to change. But Honved is, in terms of finances, it's a very small club, and if you compare it to the finances of Ferenc Varos with Oton or even Debrecen, it's minuscule, a shoestring budget. So for the club, I think what's going to be crucial is doing the same they could do this season, which is make a nice blend of the talent coming through the academy and good senior players who can really add some extra at this level to the team. So mixing the likes of Daniel Gozdog and Mark Costa, who came from the academy, and Potko Endre in the first part of the season, 
with the likes of Lanza Farmer, David Grove, and Martin Apple, who was an NTKR graduate. And going, if we can do this in the future, then I think they'll turn this right. Yeah, what, what do you think to Marco Rossi? He's obviously done an amazing job this season. Yes, and what is nice is that some of the players have worked with him for a really long time, like Lovridge, who was here the first time when Rossi was coach with Hombid, and also Lanza Fame, and they really know his yeah, tactics. Yeah, obviously that amazing sending off that he had a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they really know his tactics, and he has been able to work with the squad for quite a long time, and he could get his ideas through. And if you look at the total value of the squad and where it is in the table, it's quite remarkable. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, we'll touch on the um, on kind of the uh, the big eggs of the of the league. Well, Henningberg and Thomas Dahl. What do you think to them t- so far on their impact on the league so far, Abel? Both are big name coaches. Thomas Dahl is becoming quite an emblematic uh, person at Ferenc Varos, a big coach for them. I think Ferenc Varos have a long-term strategy and Thomas Dahl features a big part in that. And also Henning Berg, he is up there with Vida Oton. We play with them on the weekend, which is going to be a very important match for deciding the league but from what I hear about his training methods and how much he uses video analysis he's a very modern coach and we can Hungarian football can only benefit from these modern coaches with experience yes I, I totally agree with Adam because their impact is clearly visible at the league for example without on is playing some really great and fascinating football this season. Obviously they have really good players, but uh, they wouldn't be able to flourish in such a great system. They, without, without the great system they are uh, using. And I would also say that Marco Rossi is in this, uh, in this, in this list because uh, the way the way he stabilized Hornbeid and the way he approaches games is very good. I, I personally say that from a tactical point of view, he's the best uh, coach in the Hungarian league because they don't they don't too much or they don't do too fancy stuff. But what they are doing, like using long balls uh, or pressing high is is uh, is very good so they don't do too much but, but what they are doing is very quality and that's a sign of uh, a quality coach i think um this will be the last one um do you think do you think hong will win the league or who do you think will win the league this one uh, i don't think they are going to because uh, <laughs> not, not not because they are not a great team but because uh, Ferenc Varos and Vidalton are better teams and what uh, Homeweight are, are trying to take advantage of is their mental strength right now because if I'm correct they, they have won their last five or six games which, which is very, very, very good but I think uh, Vidalton has a better team and that quality will 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 take 
advantage and um, they are going to win the league. I think they are going to be the champions, yes. But obviously this is a bit of a difficult question, but who do you think is going to win the league? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I can only have one answer. It's Hongbid. Obviously, obviously <laughs> Hongbid. But Ishvan is right that Vidoton probably has a better squad and maybe in some positions if we have injuries like Lanza Farmer, we might struggle to put somebody in the same quality on the pitch, but you never know if we can keep this up and keep going, then you know, we didn't expect to be first at this point of the season and who knows, maybe at the end of the season we will be also, it's bloody football, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like you say, to be fair, you didn't expect to be in this position anyway, so to finish, I guess, third at worst would be would be quite an amazing achievement and just getting into Europe as well. Yep. Um, what are your plans for the future and what are your ambitions? We'll go for you first, Abel. Like, personally. I want to keep improving and that might be going to work on the, in a team in the first league or maybe working abroad or staying at home with and continuing my job here. I don't know at the moment, but one thing that is constant for me is that I want to keep improving, learning about new styles of football and expanding my knowledge. Okay, cool. Great stuff. Esteban? I would say the same, uh, like other. Um, I would like to like to develop myself in every possible way. As as I said before, that uh, I I have the opportunity to say uh, to to see the way players see the game and the way coaches see the game, and uh, these are the aspects uh, in what I want to. To develop myself because uh, it's much more different than our analytical approach, and uh, because at, in the future I'm I would like to to get into coaching. I don't know when, but uh, right now I'm very happy at MTK, and I hope I can stay uh, at the club for a long, long time. Great stuff. Thank you. Thank you very much, for guys. Thank you. Thank you. So, that's it. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, tell your friends, subscribe, leave a comment, all that sort of good stuff. On the next show, we're going to talk about Hungary's big game against Portugal. We're going to preview that. We're going to also look a bit about what's been happening in the Hungarian League as well. Until next time, thank you very much for listening and see you later.